0: All right. Well, hello, everyone. It's Heidi Trost. I am the host of the Human-Centered Security Podcast. And today I have with me Alex Panaretos from EY. So Alex, uh, she has a really interesting title, and I'm going to ask her about it. But she is the America's Cybersecurity Lead for Secure Culture Activation. So we'll have to break that down in a few seconds. She has a background in sports broadcasting and apparition operational security. She's experienced in security communications and education. She's a mother of three, and she volunteers with law enforcement agencies and neighborhood organizations to educate community members, elder care organizations, children, and parents on information security and social media safety. So Alex, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on this Friday. It's great to talk to you.
1: Thanks, Heidi. So before we get started, you know, the the standard disclaimer, these views are my own and not indicative of my employer. Um, so just want to get that out of the way before we start, but really happy to be here and, and thanks for having me.
0: So to get us started, can you unpack your title for us? What <laughs> is-
1: <laughs> yeah, so secure culture activation is really just talking about security awareness, education, um, training supplements, and building a secure culture uh, mindset throughout an organization. It, it really is just boiling it down to security and everything that you do and changing that behavior. So fancy name for a very simple concept. So what does your day-to-day look like? Um, you know, we, we articulate what human risk is. Um, and it is a newer form of cybersecurity when you look at the field as a whole is now there has been a significant shift to a focus on people. And that is overwhelmingly the one area that, for the most part, um, cannot be controlled with um, any sort of tool or software and is often the greatest vulnerability out there. Um, you know, it, it's, people are very unpredictable. Um, I don't know that anyone behaves exactly the same day to day, especially in the digital realm. And so it really, you know, I don't have two days that look the same. Um, a lot of times I'm playing translator between the technical side of an organization and the rest of the organization. So business units, you know, human resources, et cetera, and, and kind of helping the two understand priorities and challenges that the others are having.
0: Yeah, I, I honed in on kind of two things that you were saying one was that we're irrational. Um, we, like to, <laughs> we like to think that we're rational, but oh boy, we are not. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to unpack a bit was the idea that our behaviors are kind of all across the board. When I think about that, I think I think about how really like we are on autopilot all the time. Like it almost seems like where there is very little variance in our behaviors, because we're just not thinking like things are, we, you know, open up our laptop, are on our emails, you know, we're, we're trying to process the first things for the day. And kind of all of that is on autopilot. It's not something that we are thinking through. And actually, one of the things that you said to me that I thought was really impactful when we were first talking was the idea that like, we just kind of aren't thinking you know, as, a, as human beings, like we kind of have outsourced our thinking to a computer. Uh, so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I think we have to take a step back and go look at your behavior on a daily basis. Really look at what you are putting your time and energy and focus into. Um, most people these days will have some sort of device or connectivity before they ever get out of bed. They're checking their cell phone in the bed. They're using it as an alarm. You know, they might have a voice assistant that's telling them what the weather is and is automatically programmed to start listening to the news or music. Chances are you have some sort of smart device in your home controlling a temperature or um, maybe notifying you what the local traffic is. So are you ever really disconnected? Do you have to actually open a blind to look outside to see what the weather may or may not be? Or do you have a device telling you what that is before your eyes are even fully open? Is your coffee maker already starting? Or are you asking, um, you know, Alexa and Siri, I call them my wicked stepsisters, to start breakfast for you? Are they waking the kids? Can you you know, move throughout your your morning disconnected. Most people can't. And that that's just the way society has become. Technology is is quickly replacing a lot of the general five sense behavior that we used to have. You know, what can I tell from sight, taste, smell, sound? A lot of that's already being decided for you because your machines have learned your preferences. You know, laying your fingertip on any device in your home, especially if it's a work device, grants you full access. You know, it really is just how much do you actually think about? And that isn't in some way, shape, or form automated for you before you're even really awake.
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting and I think kind of what you're getting at is because we have outsourced so much of this behavior of this thinking of this we're not we're we're relying on a technology and not making decisions for ourselves and I see this in human behavior, you know, in in thinking about UX where we just kind of blindly trust the technology because, you know, it helps us with all these other things like, you know, why shouldn't I trust it? But that's the kind of behavior that can get us in a lot of trouble.
1: Yeah. And I equate it to, you know, we'll take an everyday activity. Well, at least what was everyday activity for a lot of us in crossing the street. There's automated traffic signals. You have sound and visual cues of when it's safe to cross the street, but how many people actually rely on their senses to stop, look around the corner to see if they're about to get blindsided by a bus. Most people hear the sound to walk, see the, sound, see the flash to walk, and if they're even looking up from their device, not really even thinking, because I had some visual cue, I had some audio cue to tell me, now I can walk across the street. I no longer take that two seconds to visually scan, is there a large piece of metal headed my way at 60 miles an hour? <laughs>
0: It's like our natural instincts just don't kick in. And that's really frightening.
1: Well, I mean, do we have to relearn how to cross the street? There there are several companies that I work for in several industries that have made safety such a priority that they're actually teaching people how to cross the street safely.
0: That's really crazy.
1: And one of the things that you said to
0: me before is, like, our default is just to trust. We just assume that it's safe instead of questioning it. You know, and part of that makes me feel a little bit sad that we just, like, I feel like I have to be so paranoid all of the time. And that saddens me. But at the same time, that kind of is the reality, right? We kind of have to question everything Yeah, in, it, in the digital space.
1: It, it, it really, I mean, we have no single source of truth. And that term is is thrown around in a different Set of ways, depending on you know how you're using it, but we no longer look to ourselves to analyze data that we're naturally absorbing from our from our environment. You know, all you have to do is take one peek at social media to understand that just because someone's opinion is out there does not necessarily make it fact. But the rapid sharing and absorption, and this, and you know, lights and sounds is telling us what to think instead of people actually putting something down, taking a step back and going, hmm, I mean, that might make sense. That might not. Am I affected by it? What actions could I have to either change the outcome or, you know, pivot in a different way? What are we doing that?"
0: Yeah, that that actually is a really interesting insight that you bring up it kind of makes me think about when we're trying to change bad habits things that we do automatically like I don't know if you reach for a bag of chips you know mindlessly and like you're watching tv at the same time and you know within 20 minutes you realize that the bag's gone and you (laughs) Mm -hmm. you you know you don't realize that you ate the whole thing really what you need to do is be like why am I reaching for this bag? Am I actually hungry? You know, I shouldn't be eating this mindlessly in front of the TV and kind of, you know, stopping yourself from from doing those automatic things. I, I kind of see the uh, a similar, you know, parallels in cybersecurity, right? Like we kind of need to be like, no, like be conscious of this behavior. You have a brain, <laughs> you know, you have this, you're a system within you that knows when things are off, you know, rely on that
1: well and and what I talk about so many times, especially with parents, is we no longer know how to be still and silent mm-hmm. um, you know we used to be a society of of information consumers um, newspapers, magazines, nightly news you know if if you wanted a favorite program and you missed it, oh well, you know. Right. Now we have become a society of producers where everyone is constantly streaming everything from, you know, what they had for breakfast to what their favorite sport is to, hey, I went to the gym, you know, all of these different things, whether at work, at play, in theory, at rest, we're producing data. And that is constantly being churned into. Hey, I see you've sat still for five minutes. Here's a prompt to get moving. Or, hey, I've noticed you haven't had your full water intake today. How about you get up to go get a glass of water? There's so much data moving all the time. You know, the videos online that we cannot break attention from, the mindless scrolling, like our brains are now so hyper-wired that we no longer know how to sit in silence. Or to take a step back and have a moment to, to process. And, and I think we're seeing that in, in this ever-pervasive go, 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 go. Where even in you know these recent pandemic times when everyone should be slowing down, I don't know about anyone else, but I've been busier than I've ever been. And I'm seeing that in my children to where... The online schooling, the online connectivity, the only way that they, you know, for the most part are socializing because they're not in school is online. So that human connection, that, that basic fundamental, you know, almost longing for connection in some ways is still very much there, but we're relying on a device A literal connection to the internet to get that same information. So, how do we teach the brain how to detox and just be still?
0: One of the things that I wanted to talk about is you know, I I believe, and I've had folks on the podcast who believe that really changing cybersecurity culture in organizations starts with how people. Behave at home and and the cyber hygiene that they have at home. And it kind of sounds like you're saying the same sort of thing where, you know, if you're not taking care of your data or, you know, if you don't care about where your data is being harvested, you're not um, being safe in in these things that you're doing at home, then you're probably also not going to be (laughs) doing safe things in the work environment.
1: So I'm wondering if you could what you think about that. That is a thousand percent true. Um, Because often in the workplace, it's that's what we have an IT department for. Right, right, right. If you're in leadership, well, that's why I've just spent millions of dollars on technology. So what do you mean it's down to X person and X department with every click they make? Hang on. Wait a second. How do we deal (laughs) with this? And so... You know, there is no silver bullet tool. There is no silver bullet technology that a human cannot break with one click or action. Because if there were, we'd all have it. So people's understanding of technology, understanding of how they can impact not only their own security, but that of their clients, customers, consumers, etc., Is really powerful. And again, something most people don't understand because it's not as if we grew up with a digital 101 class. That just didn't happen. I wish it would. And I I find myself, you know, kind of breaking it down to very simple behaviors because cybersecurity, when it comes to human risk, is simple. What can I do that limits my risk? And it's really hard for people to understand the risk in the digital realm because there again, there is no physical cue. You know, I'll know my house is on fire because I can feel the heat, I can smell the smoke, and I can tell something's wrong. I don't really have that unless my screen goes dark, starts flashing, and you know, you've been hacked pops up.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up something that's really important. Like we have these cues in our physical environment that are um, <laughs> that are immediately, you know, telling us that danger, danger, like something is going a- wrong and and fix this immediately. Um, whereas in the technology realm, there tend to be like more lagging indicators, you know, or we're not seeing the damage that's being done, but it's it's a lagging indicator. Like it takes time for that those tiny little bad habits to build up. And I think that's kind of similar in the cybersecurity realm. Like you're not, you don't always immediately see like the oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, something went wrong. So I think like when people don't get that feedback, it's really difficult for them to make any meaningful change.
1: Um, yes, you could not have said it better. And and that's the thing is, most people have already had experience with with their digital security going wrong. Who's had a compromised um, credit card? Right? Who's had yeah. to talk to their bank about a fraudulent charge? Guess what, guys, you've been a victim of cybercrime.
0: Yeah, that's a really. I mean, like you said, I think we could probably go another hour talking about that because uh, that just makes me think of a whole slew of other questions. But I realize you have yeah. other things to do today. Uh, so, so in in conclusion, do you have do you have any parting words or advice? And I'm I'm thinking especially on the organizational
1: side. Mm-hmm. Um, fear is not a motivator. Oh, I like that. And that's where I see so many organizations do cyber education incorrectly or do their phishing programs incorrectly. Fear does not motivate behavior change. Fear motivates covering up so I don't get in trouble. Yeah. Um, Some of the most successful organizations that manage human risk have that really open and honest two-way communication between their employees and their business units. It's Look, we know at some point you're going to be tired, you're not going to be paying attention, you're going to be rushing, and you're going to click something you shouldn't. We know that's going to happen because there isn't a security professional out there that wants to admit that they've done it, but we've all done it. So as a security team, if you do do that, the faster you let us know you've done that, the better everyone else is. Right. So it's okay to make a mistake. But it's not okay to not tell us. And so, you know, security departments will go out to the other business units and they'll talk with leaders, they'll talk with, you know, the entry level employee and say, what would you like to know about? Or how are we making your life harder because of the technology we've implemented? And then companies are also addressing what I call the non connected worker. Your janitorial staff, your catering, people that don't necessarily touch computers, but are great indicators of something wrong in your organization. Because they're typically there when the rest of the working population isn't. They see and have the ability to know what normal behavior and environment is. If somebody's left their computer open, have we taught these individuals how to lock it or turn it off? They've taken this holistic approach to, you know, we really are in this together. So let me educate you and make you more cyber secure, more cyber aware, because we're now having to live in not only a physical environment, but also a digital one. And you're important to us as a person, not just as employee X.
0: Yeah, I think those last two points are super interesting. Like, one, the idea that the IT team is going and talking to employees and saying, you know, what's working well, what's not working well. I mean, that's what I do for my job in in UX is is trying to figure out these things. So that is amazing that uh, an organization would take that approach. And actually, I don't know, consider the, the human beings who are actually, you know, using these products, these software you know, and are essentially at the front line.
1: So do you have any specific examples of success stories around that? Yeah. So we had one manufacturing company, um, and this was really interesting. And they, their entire business model is we need to get X amount of units out the door every day. For every minute that this goes by, we're losing money. Mm-hmm. So to even hint that we were going to pull workers or pull management off of the line for some sort of training, I mean, you might as well have said the curse word to mom. Like it, it, it was not going to happen. Right. And so we had the security team start, you know, making field visits, go look at the environment and look at the way these people are working where can you address behaviors or give information that doesn't actually take them away from what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Is it as simple as putting a sign above a trash can that says, you know, do you really want to put this here? There's a secure shred bin right next to it, and it's green. Um, It's as simple as just having... um you know, security imagery or maybe that training video on a loop in an area where people either gather in in the cafeteria, above copiers, you know, all of those general kind of normal spaces, which, you know, hopefully we'll all be getting back to in some way, shape, or form. But really looking at how someone works and where can I build this security into their normal process instead of layering it on top. And so what they did was they spent a week and they really looked at all aspects of of kind of the factory environment and realized that the safety components of their job were very, you know, rigid, strict, and everyone complied with them because there was a physical risk to not doing so. If I do this, I'm likely to lose an arm. Nobody really wants to do that. So above, you know, the, the area where they would clock in and clock out, which they would do on the computer, they had their, their Friday tip. And so they would just have a a little sign above where everybody clocked in and clocked out that said, you know, here's your reminder for the weekend. Um, You know, make sure you've signed out of any device you've signed into. Really wasn't rocket science, but it's just that point in time reminder as they're walking out the door. Did I log off of every machine I'm logged on? Do you know where your badge is? You know, a reminder to not hang badges off of rear view mirrors. Just little simple things that they were reminded of in the place where it made sense. They didn't have to do large computer modules or any of that. It was where are people touching things? In a relative sense. And that's where I need to put my information instead of asking them to step away and do something else. So then the digital risk became synonymous with the physical in some areas. And it, I mean, they just saw it take off. And then, you know, this population was asking them, well, you know, my kids are on social media and I'm seeing, you know, some of these videos playing in, in the cafeteria. You know, is there something that I can take home to talk to my family about? And that's where the connection was made. So they started, you know, doing user guides and and conversation starters. And, you know, if you have questions, email us from your personal email or wherever you may be. And it started those conversations. And all of a sudden, you know, over the course of 12 months, you went from having a factory situation that really had no time for cyber to openly engaging in dialogue and asking, well, can you tell me more? Because it just blended so seamlessly in their their daily work.
0: Well, yeah, and going back to what you were talking about before, people potentially being afraid of like, oh, I clicked on that thing that I shouldn't have clicked on and potentially hiding it. But if they're building those relationships with the IT team, and they they already feel comfortable asking them questions about things. I think you know establishing that rapport ends up making you know because it just establishes
1: a dialogue where people feel safe. Yeah, and and one of the the biggest hurdles that the IT or the security function has is perception is reality. Mm-hmm. If you're perceived as this enforcement and negative entity in the organization. People will do everything they can to avoid dealing with you, and so sometimes the first step to building a cyber secure organization is branding security and putting faces to the job. You know, it, it's one of those things where you have to humanize yourself in a digital space to say, "Hey, we're here to help you." It's okay to ask us questions. We would prefer that you ask us instead of just going and doing because we can't mitigate risks we don't know we have.
0: Yeah. And I know organizations like that where, you know, most people would rather, <laughs> you know, they would rather not talk to IT and they will do just about anything to not to, to avoid talking to them. And Mhm. Yeah. I mean, that's just not,
1: that's not, that's far from my Well, and, and I'll tell security professionals, like what area of the organization do you dread talking to? Because everybody you know, like, has every, that.
0: Every, every piece all of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, it, but it really is. It's whatever, whatever area of the business you don't like dealing with, chances are that's how the rest of the organization feels like dealing with you if you're a security professional. <laughs> or if it's that, you know, hour long annual training that you have to sit through for whatever regulation it has to be. Right. Why are you creating the same thing for somebody else to take? Is that really the impression of your organization you want people to have? Or would you rather have these small, you know, five minutes a month where it's very targeted, it's very informative, there's a clear action, and then you open it up for questions? What do you think is more effective? Yep. So yeah, it's it's the human connection that needs to really be strengthened because we've lost that. People don't walk around and talk to people anymore. It's much easier to send a text, it's much easier, you know, just to send an email. And so many situations in the workplace, you know, technical or otherwise, could be solved in a 5-minute conversation that doesn't really occur anymore. I mean, honestly, let's look at our our real world living right now. When's the last time you you wrote a letter? When's the last time you had real conversation?
0: The the one thing, I, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but like mm-hmm. that human connection, like it seems like that would be far more effective if everyone is in the same building, you know, preferably on the same floor. Everybody knows each other, but like with mm-hmm. COVID, I I would imagine that that has gotten really difficult because you don't see your IT, you don't see the cybersecurity team on a daily basis because you don't see anyone on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean you don't really so, see no
1: one. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so how I mean that just seems super challenging to kind of continue those conversations and continue building those relationships.
1: Well, and I think that's where the opportunity is. And so because and, and you know, I've had a lot of conversations with my my industry peers and in awareness as how do we do this when we don't have people You know, centrally located, Mm -hmm. and it's it's having webinars on topics like how do I keep my child safe online, that have nothing to do with the business, and it's it's providing um, what I call the holiday reminders. Mm -hmm. So one organization I worked with gained so much traction because before the holidays, they started putting out guides on how to secure your devices. And so people were consuming those left and right because they were buying these devices for their children, for their elderly parents to connect in a pandemic world. And so, you know, they had the basic user guide of Facebook. Mm -hmm. You know, here are the settings that you need to have if you're setting this up for someone over, you know, X age or a digital literacy in this capacity. Because people are using all of these different technologies that they normally wouldn't have in a pandemic re- area, because that's the only way they can connect. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's so great. these companies were saying, you know, here's here's the one oh one guide to tablet use, and so they could include that with the gift and at least give people enough assistance to to get it turned on so they could could start that FaceTime video. Um, same thing with you know, conversation guides for your children on social media, because guess what? They're on social media now more than they probably would have been because they're not able to just hang out at school. Um, you know, there was a great one that talked about cyberbullying, um, not only for, for the angle of children, but also for, for adults. And that one got a lot of traction, you know, so there were so many different angles to take to this, that at the end of the day, I told the companies, determine your top five behaviors that you want people to model either in a remote work environment or when they return to work and then start giving real life ways to develop that behavior at home. Because guess what? You have the perfect opportunity right now to do it because you have a captive audience and and build those um, elements of trust, build that two-way communication and teach them something. Don't talk at them. Talk with them, and see see where you're going to get that traction. and And companies that have done that, I think, are going to come out of out of the pandemic work environment so much stronger than companies who really haven't personalized the education to their employee.
0: Yeah, those are great examples. Well, I. I want to, (laughs) I don't want to end the conversation, but I feel like we probably (laughs) should end the conversation. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of this. It's been super helpful. Um, Definitely given me some things to think about and very much appreciate your time. So thank you very much, Alex.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And, you know, hopefully somebody's walking away from this conversation with, with a question that they didn't have or, or something to do and you know, I, I welcome people to, to kind of ask me anything with they, if they have any additional questions.
0: Yes. And in the show notes, I will add a link to your LinkedIn account so people can get in touch with you that way. Perfect. Thank you so much.